Uh, if you've got your scriptures, <clears throat> uh, we're going to be hitting uh, several, uh, and so I want you to know we're going to get into a really important subject this morning. Uh, a lot of folks have questions about this, and, uh, and so we're just going to pray for God's blessing through this, okay? Uh, our Heavenly Father, we just uh, praise you for your presence, praise you for the men and the women in our lives uh, that have demonstrated uh, how connected they are to you and their faithfulness has motivated us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your messengers all throughout the Scripture, uh, those that at times seem mysterious, but, Lord, we truly believe in their presence. And, then, Lord, most of all, we thank you and praise you for your Son, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So this morning, uh, we're continuing the series called Behind the Scene, and uh, it kind of gets into the supernatural things throughout Scripture that people have a lot of questions about. And so this one is... Uh, I've really enjoyed digging on this one, and that is angels. A lot of people have questions about angels. How many of you think you're married to an angel? Raise your hand. Yeah, well, you're good. You had your shot right there. There it was. St. Francis uh, de Sales said this, Make yourself familiar with angels and behold them frequently in spirit, for without being seen, they are present with you. I love that. Billy Graham said this, I believe in angels because the Bible says there are angels I believe the Bible is the true Word of God. Uh, let me make a, a plug. Uh, years ago, I bought this, but it's a, a book by Billy Graham called Angels, God's Secret Agent. And uh, it is just a really concise book, but it is excellent. And you can get that on Amazon for probably two, three bucks. So I really want to highly recommend uh, that book that gets into a lot more than we're going to get in today. Uh, the study of angels really is fascinating. If you go on Amazon, there's one million results. Uh, I didn't realize this. You can buy a pocket guardian angel. Uh, you can buy angel ceiling fans. Uh, there are angel party favors, uh, angel figurines, angel necklaces. There's over 90,000 books now of people's perspective of angels. So angels are kind of confusing. Matter of fact, I heard about a confusing conversation. I don't think this guy understood what angels is all about. Now, the first guy's talking to the second guy, his buddy. The first guy said, you know, my mother-in-law is an angel. And the second guy said, you're lucky. Mine's still alive. Oh, that's just not right. Okay. <laughs> a lot of confusion about. And why aren't we confused? If you think about movies, TV, and music, and the treatment of angels, uh, of movies, uh, think about Clarence, that lovable angel in It's a Wonderful Life, okay? Or maybe you remember the classic movie Disney put out, Angels in the Outfield. Well, everybody put their hands out. Remember this? Wait, shake. I didn't do that. I didn't do it first service either. Okay, so very moving movie. Uh, TV touched by uh, Angel, t yeah, catching on, okay? And then there's these classic songs with Angel in the title. You can't believe how many songs have just, that's the title, Angel, but there's Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. Remember that one? And love will lock the devil. Yeah, you remember that. Okay, good. Uh, teaching angels how to fly, calling all angels, and then my ultimate favorite, Johnny Angel. Uh, you guys remember all these great songs. So this morning, we're just going to look at a biblical perspective of angels. Let's, let's just see what the Bible says. 98 references to angels or heavenly hosts in the Scripture. So you really can't ignore it. I think for folks to say, oh, I don't, I don't think the Bible is very clear that angels existed. No, the Bible is clear that angels did exist, but it's still complicated, I think, about what their roles were. So let me just share a few of those if you're taking notes. 
Uh, Psalm 68, 17, Hebrews 1, 7 says that there are ministering spirits, angels that are sent to minister to us. 2 Samuel 24, 17 and Revelation 16, 1 says that there are angels that proclaim God's judgment. And then here's one I absolutely love. Luke 15, 10 says that the angels in heaven rejoice when someone repents. In other words, when somebody surrenders to Christ, when somebody comes home, there is a party. Uh, I love the pictures we're going to show you here. Uh, these are soldiers in Iraq a few years ago uh, out in the desert that made a decision to give their life to Christ and didn't let anything stop them from making that decision. And let me tell you, the angels had a party when that happened. They have a party every time somebody goes into this horse trough and surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. That's what the angels love to do. But there's one clear warning about angels. It's in Colossians 2.18. Do not let anyone who delights in the false humility and worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes on with great detail about what they have seen, but they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Don't worship angels. Now, let me just pause there. Uh, uh, Marie and I, we have some, I would say, memorial symbols in our yard. Uh, well, her mother and father passed away. My mom passed away a few years ago. And uh, one of those, uh, the other day I was walking around the yard, is this beautiful ceramic angel. I'm not saying if you have angels in your home, uh, if you have angels in your yard, that that's wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. What the scripture is clear about, though, is this, you don't worship an angel. So when you have over a million hits on people searching for information on angel, I think there's some folks that have kind of misinterpreted what angels are all about. Matter of fact, what angels' primary role is to draw you into the presence of Christ, never remove that relationship and take priority over Christ. But I believe, this is just my personal opinion, uh, you can look at uh, angels and there are two definite, distinct characteristics of angels. Here's the first one. Angels are worshipers. I love this. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Listen to this. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. You see what's going on? God allows Isaiah to pull back the curtain and let him experience God full throttle. And there he sees these amazing seraphim with six wings. Can you only imagine how humble he was to be in the presence of God in such a powerful way? Matter of fact, in Scripture, anytime you read seraphim or cherubim, they are to guard, I love this, the holiness of God through worship. Guard the holiness of God through worship. Now, I don't know about you, but that convicts me uh, the way that I worship many Sunday mornings because I should really be coming in guarding the holiness of God. And so many times I come in and I am totally distracted. Uh, I'm writing out things I've got to get done or I'm thinking about what I've got to do next. 
And I've got to really work on it. I just got to be honest. I got to work on when I get into a worship mode that it is just like what Isaiah described, that it is, I am in the presence of a holy God worthy of worship. And then you get in the New Testament. I love this. This is John's vision. And it's found in Revelation 5, 11, 12. He says this, and then I looked up and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne of the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive the power and the wealth and the wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The angels draw us to worship. We need to realize how powerful worship is. But there's a second characteristic that I love about angels. They are also warriors. They are warriors. Psalms 103 says this, verse 20, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, his servants who do his will. I love this story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 617. It's Elisha and his servant. And uh, they are in Dotham. And it says that uh, the servant wakes up and he's terrified. And he says, Elijah, if you just look, Elisha, if you'll look around, uh, we are surrounded by our enemies. And I absolutely love what Elisha says. And he, he says this, open your eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. Now, there are warriors ready to go. And he said, just open their eyes and let them see the spiritual warfare that's really going on. If you want a book that I guarantee you won't be able to put down, it was written in the early 90s, it was called uh, This Present Darkness. And uh, you need to check that out. Uh, if you want to see a, uh, read, it's a novel, but it's, a, it's an amazing book of the spiritual warfare that's going on. You ever wonder what's going on and what's really going on. Honestly, when I get to heaven, I think that's why it's going to be eternity, because I'm like, man, God, just let me see that one more time. I, I think God will open up the veil and allow us to see what's really going on here, and to see how powerful his servants and his angels truly are. I think it is going to be amazing. But I think God does more than just protect us with this abundance uh, countless angels. I think what God does is he allows us to experience angels, sometimes in a very personal way. And so we want you to hear Brad Pontius. Uh, he's going to share a story from the mission field uh, of a time that he encountered what he felt was an angel. While Gail and I were serving in Jamaica in the late 80s with Youth for Christ, I found myself in a seriously life-threatening situation. An older lady showed up on a scene. She was very dark and wrinkly with a cataract on one eye and only a few teeth. I thought she was a crazy woman. When she patted my arm, I recoiled. I was really too shaken to even be nice to her. But then she said, I've heard what happened, and I took it to the throne. Don't trouble yourself. Everything will be fine. She got my attention for sure. How, how could she know what was going on, and who was she? From that moment, the events that followed turned dramatically in my favor. She even called on a six-foot-two, chiseled bodybuilder type to walk me through an angry, aggressive mob. I've always wondered about that woman. She brought such hope, comfort, and protection to me when I was panicked and confused, 
and feared for my life. I really hope to find her in heaven, and I won't be surprised if she has wings and a halo. I think God's messengers show up in all different ways. I asked this first service, and uh, uh, so I'm going to ask this. is uh, How many of you have ever had something mysterious happen as far as an encounter with someone that to this day it's still unexplainable in your life? And you wondered, is that an angel? Anybody? Okay. We had quite a few. Same thing, first service, that you start looking back over your life, and I just believe that God can bring people in our life, and they can be gone that quick, and yet have a profound effect on us. And uh, I think God's mysterious ways are amazing, how he works things out. I love this text. It's in Matthew 26, 52 and 53. Uh, Jesus is in the garden. Uh, he knows as, uh, the enemy basically is approaching him. Um, and as they get closer and closer, uh, there's almost an arrogance like uh, they know they've captured Jesus. And if you remember in Matthew 26, 52 and 53, Jesus says this, I could call down 12 legions of angels to help right now. You know what that is? That's 72,000 angels. Now, if I were writing the script in the flesh, now this is in the flesh, I would write it, send them. Send those bad boys. I mean, seriously, bring every one of them full thunder, full throttle, wipe this planet out, because if we think about it, aren't we kind of wired that way? How many Westerns have you seen? The guys, you know, they got the rope around his neck, and the hero shows up at the last second. Or how many movies have you seen where Tom Cruise, and the, there's a missile or bomb ready to go off, and it's 5, 4, 3, 2, and he cuts the right wire. The hero's always there. And so we read this, and we're like, Jesus, call the angels. Doesn't that show you how powerful Jesus really was that he didn't call the angels? That he loves us so much that he knew, I could take the easy way out right now. But the way that I'm going to take is the most difficult thing is I'm willing to go to the cross for everybody in this room. Now that is power. So I have a really strange question as we're talking about angels. And that is this question is, what do you do when the angels leave? Now I know that seems like a really strange question. But in Luke 2, there's a remarkable story. Uh, it's not about the cross of Jesus. It's the cradle of Jesus. It's in that text, verses 8 through 17, that we see a, a group of remarkable individuals, and they're the shepherds. And we know that the shepherds are in the field nearby, that the angels appear. They say, don't be afraid. Go to the city of David. There you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, a Savior, the Messiah, is born. And we know then those angels once again lifted up worship in an amazing way, praising God, and then the shepherds did exactly what they were asked to do. They went to see Joseph and Mary and the Christ child. They investigated the claims of the angels. Then they went away and they shared the good news that the king is here. That's awesome, that the king is here. But then they did something that is a lesson for everybody here. Look at verse 20. Just a quick phrase, the shepherds returned. Say that with me, the shepherds returned. You think, what's the big deal? You may not ever encounter an angel, but if you pursue Jesus Christ, you will encounter angelic experiences in your life. I mean unforgettable spiritual highs that will just completely take the wind out of you. 
times that you're so close to God, you can't breathe. And you want that to last, what? Forever. I've talked to some of you have been to Emmaus, have been to Chrysalis. I can tell you weeks that Marie and I have been to camp and on mission trips. Uh, I've been in worship services. I've been in situations where I'm like, oh, God, I just wish this could, I wish this could just last forever. But that summit never lasts for a long period of time, does it? You see, life really is lived in the valley of the routine. Can you imagine how hard it was for the shepherds to go back to work, but yet their lives are changed forever? What do you do in life when the angels leave and you're in the valley of the routine? I read this uh, article, and it was by a guy. He's passed away now. His name's Mike Royko, and he wrote for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, he makes observations about life, and so this is one that I love. Uh, he said, I have a friend, and he was talking about his serious girlfriend, and he wanted to see if they were at the point to make a commitment for marriage, so he was taking her for an extended uh, weekend to a seaside resort to see if they were ready for marriage, and so I wanted to share a few thoughts with my friend, and the phrase that the friend used, you, uh, continued to use was, I just want to see if we click at, on the seaside. And so he said, uh, let me give you some suggestions to see if you click. Suggestion number one, get a bad cold. Lay on the couch, whine like a baby, have your girlfriend bring you juice and another blanket, and then have her change the TV for you. See if you click. Number two, plan a softball tournament till 1 a.m. And then just bring the buddies over. Get your wife up. Have her fix you some coffee and sandwiches and see if you're clicking. And here's my favorite one. Better yet, borrow some kids, whiny kids, kids with runny noses, kids who have a tendency to throw up. Then go on a long trip in July. Make sure the air conditioning is not working. And then see if you click. Isn't that true? Life is, this is what love is. That's why um, two of my daughters, uh, I guess I only have two daughters, my two daughters, they both really love The Bachelorette. That is the stupidest show I have ever, I mean, that isn't life. I'm like, oh, dude, get a job. Change a tire. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. But this is where life, this is what I mean, this drives me crazy. Some, even in church world, if we're not careful, we paint the picture that life is always this you know, wings and flowery. No, that isn't the Christian life. Christian life is hard. It's every day. And it's in the valley of the routine. I love what Cabot Roberts says. He says, character is the ability to stay with the routine long after the mood for which the resolution was made has left. That's true. It's easy to make the goals. It's easy to set the resolutions. But in the valley of the routine... That's where I love it, because that's where Jesus shows up day after day after day. That's what I love about Jesus. And we may be honored someday to be in the presence of angels, but I'm not living to be in the presence of angels. I'm living to be in the presence of Jesus Christ every day. In the valley of your life, in the valley of your routine, he's there. It's interesting, a few years ago, uh, Marie and I, we had a chance. Uh, my daughter Rachel worked uh, with Special Olympics. If you've never worked at an event, whether it's a Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics with the Special Needs, you need to do that. It's just 
It's an amazing time. So we were working the Winter Olympics, and my daughter, Rachel, uh, wanted to make sure that I had the easiest job so I wouldn't screw it up. You know, so my job was the starting line, and all I had to do is ready, set, go, and clap and encourage kids. And I said, I can do that, you know. So I, I found this little girl. I think her name was Heather. And uh, she was just, she's just smiling. But she had purple from head to toe. I mean, purple hat, scarf, jacket, pants, everything with purple, shoelaces. And I introduced myself, and I said, your name is, and she said, Heather. I said, Heather, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you love purple. She goes, I love purple. And I said, do you love purple more than anything? And she said, oh, no. And then she looked at her mom, she goes, no, I love my mom, because my mom is my angel. And then I, I wanted to apologize to Heather because I was crying, like a baby, you know? And I thought about that all day. I thought, she is an angel. She showed up in the routine day after day after day after day, and she's loved unconditionally. And I have been around angels, and so have you people who just make it their life to pour into you and just love you. And you can be an angel for someone else. You can be the kind of person that can have angelic qualities of just showing up and protecting and just showing up and loving people just because that's the way Jesus loved us.